Lord Jesus extends a timeless open invitation for all of us to come to Him. He promises a divine exchange in His presence when we go to Him in faith. You know, so far we've been doing a study about the Holy Spirit. Um, we've been uh, learning about various facets of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we concluded that last Sunday. Uh, so today it's a, you know, a simple word of exhortation, um, which is for everyone, and it's called the open invitation. Okay, the open invitation. And I'd like us to turn to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, please. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, and these are the words of Jesus. And the Lord Jesus, and he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay? This is an invitation which is timeless, which stands in eternity, and which I believe is for each one of us here today again. Maybe some of us have, are yet to trust in Him or yet to receive Him as Lord and Savior. Maybe we have not experienced salvation. It's, it's, for, it's for you. Maybe we are seated here and we have had a walk with God. We trust in Him. We believe in Him. It's for us as well. This invitation goes out and it's coming out loud and clear. And He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody laboring and are heavy laden? You know, you've had a hard day at work, right? You've had a hard week of work, laboring, working. And maybe some of us, you know, we work on this side of the home. You know, there's the people working on the other side of the door. There are people working on, you know, this side of the door in the home. But you're working and you're laboring hard and you're heavy laden. The Lord Jesus, He invites he gives out this invitation. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you what you actually need. He says, I will give you rest. You know, I was just going through some statistics as I was preparing for the youth camp. Do you know that for an average adult, there are some 70,000 thoughts that you think in a day. 70,000 thoughts go through your mind in a day, on an average. Okay? And the slowest speed at which this thought travels in your mind, the slowest speed, is about 256 miles per hour. Now, I don't know how they found this out. I don't know how, this ma how they mapped it. But it's possible. 70,000 thoughts in a day. You know, when you do the math, there are about 84,600 seconds in a day. Okay, 24 into 16 to 6, 84,600 seconds in a day, which is about 0.8 thoughts per second. So even now, even as I'm speaking, you are thinking of something. You could be thinking of something else. But you are thinking. You are processing. There are thoughts in your mind. There are, there are things that you're thinking through. 
Just think about your work week. You know, so many things. You know, you were probably there. You, you were placed in that place of work because you're there to solve problems. You're there to solve things. And problems, problems, problems is what you face because you need to fix it. And you've been laboring all through the week. And maybe at the end of the day, you say, you know, I'm so heavy laden. You know, so many times, physical exhaustion is something that you can, you can handle, right? You rest, your body's fine, and then you, you're back. But then emotionally, when you're, when you're tired, it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. You could have rested, but when you're emotionally tired, your body just not behave. Sometimes we think, okay, I, I, all, I need a vacation. And yeah, definitely, maybe we go for vacations. We go and we try everything out to refresh ourselves. We come back and we are more tired than ever. Because wherever we go, the mind follows. Or where the mind goes, the man follows. You know, even in a vacation, we, we might be thinking about several things. We could be totally preoccupied. Right? We could be, uh, I saw an interesting uh, sign, you know, which was posted on Facebook, uh, which said, we don't have Wi-Fi, it's in a restaurant, we don't have Wi-Fi, please talk to each other. You know, we could be at home, we could be preoccupied, texting, so many things going on in our minds, we could be so tired at the end of the day. And the Lord Jesus gives this invitation, an open invitation, he says, Come to me. It's okay to go on vacations. You know, now everybody's back. School starts tomorrow. And, you know, I'm sure all of you are going through that rigmarole of covering the books and, you know, shoes to be bought and searching those uniforms and all that. You know, it's okay. We go for vacations. We are physically renewed and refreshed and so on. But the Lord Jesus is talking about something that only he can give. Everything else is a poor substitute. Everything else. The same Lord, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, come to me, all you who are laboring and are heavy laden. You're going around with a heavy backpack all the time. And he says, I will give you rest. I will give you what you actually need. If you read verse 27, he says, um, sorry, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, if it's rest that you've been craving for, that kind of rest that refreshes you, the Lord Jesus is giving that invitation. He's saying, you will find the one who is the truth. He's declaring this. He's saying, you will find rest for your souls. An open invitation to all of us. And we see a similar invitation in another place, and that's in the book of Isaiah, and we're chapter 55. If we can go there, Isaiah 55, and it's uh, verses 1 to 3. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Everyone who's thirsts who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money on what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? 
listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Verse 3, incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. It's another invitation. It says, this is for everyone who's thirsty. Okay. Ho, everyone who thirsts. You know, he's not talking about, when you read through, you see that he's not talking about a physical thirst. In fact, to the woman at the well, the Lord Jesus, when he was having this conversation in John chapter 4, says, I have living water. I have water to give you. And when you drink, you will not thirst. You will not thirst anymore. And he was not talking about a physical thirst. He was talking about a deeper longing of the soul. He was talking about something that every person is searching for, saying, I'm thirsty, but they're looking at in all the, in all the wrong places. And this invitation is for those. He says, everyone who thirsts, Everyone who's saying, hey, I don't have meaning in life. I don't have purpose in life. What is the point of this life? Saying, everyone who thirsts, you come. You come. He's saying, why do you spend your money? Why do you spend your wages on what does not satisfy? Why do you spend your money on what does not nourish you? Why do you spend money on what is not bread? You know, you think that this will help you. You think this will... This will sustain you, but no, it will come short. Because he's saying, you come to the waters, the source, the fountain of living water. He is the source. He's saying, oh, everyone who thirsts, come, come. And he says, come, buy, and eat. But he goes on to say, without money and without price. And I'm wondering... Is it because somebody has paid the price that we don't have to pay that price in order to receive this? You know, everywhere people are looking for answers, looking for something that will satisfy, something that will make things complete. That missing piece. Blaise Pascal, you know, the, the famous mathematician, um, you know, after many years he he said something like this. He said that there seems to be a vacuum in the heart of every human being. And that vacuum, only God can fill. Only God can fill. We can try to fill it with different things, different things. But that vacuum, only God can fill. I remember going through a comic, uh, you know, comic book. How many of you have read Dennis the Menace? Those days, yeah. Dennis the Menace and Joey, you know, Joey is his best friend. He does whatever. He follows Dennis, wants to do all that Dennis does. And Dennis is a, you know, a very naughty little boy. And he's playing with Joey. And, and they've got this jigsaw puzzle and they're playing, right? So Dennis and Joey. And um, they're fixing things. And, and Joey suddenly says, hey, that's the wrong piece. That doesn't fit there. That's the wrong piece. And Dennis says... No, 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 it will fit. If you lean on it hard enough, it will fit. You know, sometimes we do that. Some, I guess it will fit. I'm going to try. I'm going to push. This is the one that I've been searching for. This relationship, this is, the, this is the job. This is the answer. 
if I lean on it hard enough, it will fit. Maybe it will, but it won't be a perfect fit, and it doesn't complete the picture. There's a piece of sky somewhere on the ground. So the Lord says, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come to the waters. He is the source of living water. In verse 3, he says, you know, in verse 2, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. So he's talking about something that he's giving for which we need to listen, we need to hear. He's talking about his word. He says, incline your ear, verse 3. Okay, let that be the posture saying, okay, Lord, what is it? Incline your ear. And then he says, come to me. So we go to his presence, we go to him. And then he says, hear and your soul shall live. Your soul shall live. You won't just merely exist. You won't just, just merely go through life, mainly go through the motions of every day, morning and evening and morning and evening and so on. Here, incline your ear, come to me and your soul shall live. He's talking about a higher life. He's talking about a richer life, a life full of meaning, a life that is full of life. And he says, come to the waters, an open invitation for all of us. Those who are thirsty, those who are, you know, searching, those who, and we know that nothing else will satisfy. You know, if you're thirsty and you're given a loaf of bread, it does not satisfy. The Lord says, you will, your soul shall live. You know, this is the thing about invitations, you know. All of us receive invitations for weddings and so on. And, and when we take the invitation, you know, we, we check out a few things, right? Uh, we check the date. And if it's someone close to me, uh, close to us, the details don't matter. We will be there. No matter what, we'll be there. But sometimes we look at the invitation and we check, okay, what is the date? Date is okay. Check. It's on a weekend. Fine. Where is this place? 40 kilometers. Bangalore traffic. No way. MG road to where? No, not on a weekday. We check the place, we see the place. Oh, okay. Um, Carlton Ritz, or Ritz Carlton. Okay, let's, let's check it out, it doesn't matter. Weekday, it's okay. We'll brave it, let's go there. Let's see what is there. Some other place, you're in two minds. Right? We think about all that, we look at the invitation and then we, all this goes through our minds. And, you know, even when such an invitation is issued, maybe there are things going through our minds, there are questions going through our minds. Is it really worth the effort? Is it really worth doing this? Is it really worth laying down my life in order to receive or respond to this invitation? We think about all that. This is like us to turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And the Lord says, the one who is inviting, the one who invites, he says, this is the reason that I've invited. This is the reason that I've come. Right? I've come to do this. This is my mission statement. Isaiah 61 is a, prophetic, um, is a, is a pro prophecy about the Lord Jesus. Um, and it says, it goes like this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He says, I have come. He's, it's all about good news. It's not bad news with the Lord. He's come to give good news, glad tidings, good tidings to the poor, to the ones who are spiritually poor. Maybe you realize that you are poor and you are in need of a savior. It says, good tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty of freedom to those who are captive, to those who are in prison. Sometimes our prisons are not physical. They, are, they could be emotional, they could be spiritual. We could be in prisons, different kinds of prisons. Self-pity could be a prison. Self-pity, a prison which doesn't allow you to be the person that God has called you to be. Intimidation, another prison. Resentment. You know, whenever that person is there in the room, you are not who you are normally. That song is gone. The smile is gone. We are a different person altogether. Different prisons, sometimes prisons of our own making, says, I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives, to those who are in prison. And the opening of prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the grace of our Lord, and the day of vengeance of our Lord, the day of judgment, the judgment of our God. It says, to comfort all who mourn. I'm not sure if there are people who are mourning this morning. Mourning on the inside. Now, this invitation is there for all such people. He says, I've come to comfort Bring comfort to all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Look at the extremes. The oil of joy for those who are mourning. Extreme reactions, extreme emotions. It says he's come to bring oil of joy. If you look at the next verse, it says, the garment, or the same verse, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness has to be broken. It has no place in your life, in my life. That heaviness, that burden, that anxiety, that fear, that day in and day out, that sometimes we walk around with, that has no place. That has no right to be there. Because the deliverer, the bondage breaker, he says that he has come so that he might clothe us with garments of praise in place of the spirit of heaviness, that we may be called the trees of righteousness. You know, he's inviting us to his very presence. Luke chapter 9 and verse 56, we see the Lord says, you know, I did not come to destroy men's lives. I did not come to destroy your life. All the rearranging, all the changing, 
says it's come so that you might have life. Sometimes we attribute the works of the enemy to God, works of the devil to God, right? We say, God, you know, I'm so, I'm so disappointed in you. You've been doing this in my life. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Just look at our own lives. You know, is there any stealing and killing and destroying that's happening? And have we been attributing that to God? Because the Lord says, I have come that they may have life. That they may have it more abundantly. That's our God. So we need to check and see, have I, have we been attributing any of the works of the enemy to God and say, God, you know, you did this. I'm so angry with you, God, because you've been doing this in my life time and again. But God says, no, I've come that you might have life, my child, and that you might not just have life, but have it more abundantly. Oh, yes, the Lord Jesus also came to destroy. 1 John 3 and verse 8, he says, for this reason he was manifest. And why was he manifest? To destroy the works of the enemy. Whatever be the stealing, killing, and destroying, he came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. And this is he who is inviting us, who is issuing this open invitation and saying, come to me. He's inviting us to his presence. Oh, in his presence, strange things happen. Strange things happen, you know. Um, not too long ago, we were actually babysitting this, uh, this little one. Okay, the dad and mom, uh, okay, might as well tell you the name. Uh, Anish and Ranju, uh, Renju, you know, they, they gave the little one. They said they had to go. So they said, okay. We said, we'll take care of them. Uh, we'll take care of the little one, the baby. And the baby was well fed and all that. And the brother was also, Renan was also, you know, with, with the baby. So we said, no problem. He'll be, she'll be fine. And uh, sometime she was okay. And she was looking around, little one. And after a while, she started crying. And you'll be surprised that so much volume can come from this smaller body. Oh, she, oh, she belted it out, <laughs> you know. She was belting nonstop, and this went on for about half an hour. We tried everything. We tried, you know, and her brother, Rain, and he tried everything. We tried showing her books. We tried making funny faces. Nothing would help. She was okay when the parents left. She was, we thought everything would be fine. She, she was crying nonstop. Then we had to, you know, text them and say, guys, <laughs> please come. So they came about, after about maybe 40 minutes or so. All the while, she was going nonstop. I'm sure she'll grow up to be a big opera singer, you know, powerful lungs and oh. She was belting it out. But there was a change that happened. The mother just came carried her, and that's it. And that was it. The crying just stopped. It wasn't like she was given some, you know, she was fed. Or, no, no, no. The mother just came and carried the baby. That was it. Complete peace. I'm sure the neighbors also felt it. thing is this, the presence of the mother, the presence of the parents, the mere presence, 
the mere presence. You know, in God's presence, you know, that is what we are craving for, actually. You know, you know, we sin, you know, we do all kinds of things because we've not really experienced the presence of God. And the Lord, you know, He just invites us to His presence. He says, my children, come, come, come. He says, come to me. He didn't just say, okay, you go there. You go there, you do this. He didn't just stop with that. He says, come to me. For he knows in his presence, we will be at peace. We will be at peace. All those who are hungry and all those who are thirsting, we will be filled. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who, are, who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, our Heavenly Father, He's calling us back to Himself, to His very presence, not just to a set of do's and don'ts. This life is not about just precepts and principles, but it's about His presence. It's about our relationship with Him, a deep relationship with the God of the universe. And that invitation is for all of us. He said, everyone who thirsts, you come. He didn't say, you go clean up your act now and then come. He says, you come. I'll do the cleaning. You come. I'll do the changing. You know, in his presence, there's some things that happen in the very presence of God. We are satisfied in his presence. And it's like a cold drink of water on a warm summer day. You're satisfied. Just want to look at a few things that happen in his presence. You know, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The presence of God. When we just have a glimpse of His glory, what happens? We are being changed. You know, when we had this um, uh, urban youth conference in Mangalore, there was this boy who came and um, he said, uh, hey, for some reason I'm happy. He didn't know Christ. He's from a, in a different background. He came there for some reason. I'm happy. I don't understand what's happening here. I don't understand. And all this, whatever we are teaching. And he says, I don't understand. I don't know these songs that you're singing. But as I keep talking to you and I'm, I'm just being here, I'm happy. I'm just happy. The presence of God. It changes us. You know, sometimes we struggle with this and that and you know, maybe with sin and all that. We just need to be in His presence. Be in His presence. His presence changes, transforms us so that we are changed into His image. You know, that's the beautiful thing. Verse 18, that we are being transformed into the same image. Let me say that again. We are being transformed into that same 
image. That's the image of God. Just being in the presence of God, when we just open our lives to Him and be in His presence, spend time in His presence, brings about change, brings about transformation. And we are being transformed. That transformation, you know, happens so that we are being transformed, we are changed to be like Him, that same image. You know, all of us say, God, I want to be like you. I want to do things like you. We just need to be in His presence. It says that we are being transformed. In His presence, there is also conviction of sin. This conviction of suddenly you realize, you know, you, you, we might have been doing all things right, but suddenly you realize that, hey, I've fallen short. And that is a good thing. There's nothing to condemn, keep condemning us. It's not something to hit us over with. It's a good thing. This conviction of sin. Isaiah chapter, um, chapter 6 and verse 5, you know, prophet Isaiah, he has his encounter with God. And he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. He has his encounter with God. He has his experience, a powerful experience. He sees his vision of the temple and so on. He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, sometimes the words that we thought were okay are not okay. I'm not saying those kinds of words. This, these words are okay, but even that troubles us because he brings us to that conviction of sin. Certain things that we've always been doing. In his presence, there is conviction of sin. You know, Adam and Eve, they just ran away. They knew they had done something wrong, but his mere presence just convicted them, hey, something is wrong. The presence of God. And that conviction comes for our own good so that we can repent and we can change this conviction of sin in the presence of God. There is joy in His presence. And we know this Psalm 16 and verse 11. For in His presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16 and verse uh, 11. Fullness of joy. He's saying, you know, not just a little measure, but there's fullness. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. forevermore. Fullness of joy. You know, we need the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, no matter what's happening around us in life, when we have that joy inside, we will go through. We will go through. You know, I remember times when I've all been very, you know, very frustrated, angry, and so on, and I come home, and, and I see that shoe, you know, which is there, and I'm like, it just ticks me off. That shoe should not be there. That belongs in that shoe rack. That has to go to that shoe shelf. That bag should not be there. Every little thing messes with your mind. Every little thing. Oh, that plate, that needs to be here. But when the joy of the Lord is there, when that fullness of joy, hey, these things don't matter. You will, we will not major on those minor things in life. And even those big mountains, you know, we will have the faith to say to that mountain, mountain, you will move. You will move. I will sing those songs of faith. Forget declaring. I will sing it. You mountain, you will move in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. And this fullness of joy in the presence of God. Isaiah 40, and, and we know this verse, our strength is renewed in His presence. Isaiah 40 and verses 28 to 31 says that, uh, 29, when you see, He gives power to the weak and those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, we want these shalls in life, right? And I think we need to experience that. The word is here. And it's a promise from God. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall experience this. They shall renew their strength. They will mount up. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run. They shall walk. It's for each one of us. It's for each one of us. You know, if you've not experienced that, we need to go back to God and say, God, I'm waiting in your presence. I'm waiting in your presence, God. I need this. Because sometimes the challenges are so big. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. It's for those people. That invitation in His presence. The promise, the transformation, the change that takes place in His presence. And also in His presence, we are empowered. We are empowered. You know, something very interesting happens in uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. Okay, Mark chapter 3, verse 14. And the Lord chooses his team. Verse 14 says, Then he appointed twelve. Read the rest of it. He says, That they might be with him. That's the first and foremost thing. He appointed these twelve people. They were the team. They were supposed to go and do ministry, do those things that he wanted them to do. And the first part of it is that they might be with him in his presence. Experience all this. And that he might send them out to preach. That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And if you can turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, we see the proof of that. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, now, uh, uh, the, 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 the story behind that is this, that Peter and John, they go to the temple, they, they heal this man who, been, you know, who, who could not walk, and the lame man who couldn't walk for many years, he's healed. And the people actually bring them, their Sanhedrin, they ask them, you know, why are you doing this? By what power are you doing this? And so on. And they say, you know, uh, 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 Peter answers and he says, you know, he filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, if we are this day, we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Then we go down to verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And then they realized something. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. They realized that they had been with Jesus. They saw what they did, 
they heard what they said, but more than all that, they came to this conclusion, this, these guys have been, had been with Jesus. They have been with Jesus. The presence of God gave them so much boldness. The presence of God empowered them to do what they did. And the presence of God was the proof. The time that they had spent in God, with Him, with Jesus, that was enough for people to see there's something different. He had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And don't we need that testimony in our day and time? We need people to say, hey, something's different. Does it have anything to do with Jesus? Even before we, they hear the conversation, even before they see or hear what, they, what we speak and do and all that, they need to sense that. And that comes because of time spent in the presence of God. Because the invitation is to be with Him and that He might, so that He might send us out. So the invitation to each one of us, it's loud and clear. It's to come to Him. If we are troubled, if we are weary, if you are heavily burdened, to come to Jesus. Because everything else will be a very poor substitute. We might think, okay, this will do the trick, but it will not. Because he says, I will give you rest. And to those who are searching and thirsting and who want that completeness in life, the same invitation, saying, come to Jesus. You know, some of us need to go there as families, not just as individuals, but as families to say, God, you know, as a family, we've been missing this. As a family, oh God, we've been lacking this. We need to come to your presence, God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is peace. In your presence, there is empowering. In your presence, there is refreshing. My strength is renewed. Our family's strength needs to be renewed, oh God. As a family, we need to go back. That invitation is open for all of us today. I just want to close with one scripture, which is Hebrews 11 and verse 6. You know, as we respond to God, as we respond to His invitation. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to have faith in Him. He says, he who comes to God, when you draw near to God, he who comes to God must believe that He is. He is means that He exists and He is all that He said He is. That He will do all that He said He will do. He said He will do that great exchange, that oil of joy in place of mourning, that healing for the brokenhearted, that the setting of the captives free. When we come to God, we believe that He is all that He said He is. All that He said He is. And I believe that the Holy Spirit would have quickened certain aspects of who he is to you this morning. Something that is very close to you, something that you needed to hear, something that you need to experience, something that is very close to you. We need to believe that he is all that he said he is. And secondly, that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. A rewarder. 
he does not send us on a wild goose chase. He does not, you know, dangle that carrot in front and say, oh, at the end of the day, you know, that's it, you can go back. You know, you're not going back empty-handed. He says, he is the rewarder to those who diligently seek him. You know, as we draw near to him this morning, can we, can we just believe that? Can we just take him? Can we take him at his word and say, God, I believe that you are all that you said you are. You are all that you said you are, God. In his presence, you know, there is healing for our emotions and maybe we've been going through some tough times, but there is healing. He's the balm of Gilead. There is that rest. There is that peace. Can we look to him in prayer this morning? I just want us to bow our heads, please, and, <clears throat> and talk to him. And this morning, we want to experience, we want to have that divine exchange. You know, that cross is the place of divine exchange. He took our sins so that we might have salvation. He took our sickness so that we might have healing. He took our curses that we might have the blessings of God, the blessings of Abraham. He took our pain on the cross so that we might experience his relief. And that divine exchange, that invitation for that divine exchange is open for each one of us. For those, those who wait in His presence, their strength is renewed like the
stand up and just reach out to him in faith. Oh, we reach out to you.
Lord, we thank you that you've given us, O oh God, access, O oh God, to your very best, your presence, Master. And Lord, we, we just pray, O oh Father God, that we would choose to just draw near to you each and every moment of every day, God. Truly, just to be in your presence, Master. Yes, Lord, as your word says, the psalmist declared, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Some of us need that, oh God. And Lord, I pray that we would find that, we would experience that, that touch from you as we continue in your presence. says that he is gentle, he is lowly in heart, our God does not intimidate, he does not force, he does not push, but he's gentle, just drawing us with his love, and I just encourage you to just draw near to him and he will draw near, and may we experience the power of his word even as we experience His presence, both today and in the days ahead. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And may you experience, may we experience His shalom, both today and the days ahead. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.